Yeah, VB original. That it, it wasn't. It was a wasn't a bad beer. No, it wasn't. It, yeah. Absolutely, but it tasted very different to VB current. No, it didn't. <laughs> well, then again, VB. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe 2018 um, CUB marketing department needs to do a side by side edited podcast with. <laughs> 1856 and, and 1954 departments. Thanks to Cryomalt, a grain of truth in every podcast. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me, as he usually does very often, and in fact has done for about the last eight years, it's Matt Beer, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Prof. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking. Hand-painted as we speak. Um, <laughs> now, it's been a good week. Beautiful weather down here in Melbourne. Uh, had some lovely beer. Just come off the back of the Great Australian Beer Festival in Albury, which was an absolute stunner. Um, although, seriously, border region, get your shit together. If you're going to decide to have the Wodonga Cup and have a throw a public holiday in the region, um, give give people more than a week's notice. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. So that's my that's my public service announcement. Okay. Now, it was one of those things where it just wasn't uh, uh, talking to all these locals. Oh, yeah, now we heard about it a week ago or so. And then, yeah, because last year it was called off because of the rain and this year they just held off and then, then they said, hey, let's have it. And it was the same day as the – so basically we wouldn't have had the festival on the, the Saturday after a public holiday where everyone had been out um, getting rather boozed up. So the numbers were down a little bit, but those that were there had a great time. So well done to all involved. Uh, and I should, um, you know, disclaimer there, I am part of the um, part of the crew that puts together the, the festival and I look after some on-stage activities and um, antics and, um, and, and do some masterclasses. So it was a lot of fun. Really great. To, and, and beer in this country is in very good hands. If some of the new brewers coming through are anything to go by, um, you had the old stages like Hawkers, uh, Bolter, Modus, Bright, Beechworth, um, you know, all the usual suspects. But some of these newer ones coming along, um, you know, King Valley, um, Two Pot, there's just a whole heap that are doing some really, really good stuff. So well done. Excellent. As the, um, I, I think 10 years ago, uh, when breweries were, when we were just starting to see that first trickle of what is, what has become a, you know, a relative flood of new new breweries I, I, I think breweries could open um, and find their feet a little bit and you know some of them did some of them didn't um, but these days the competition is so fierce that you just can't open without nailing your beer and there, there are some cracking beer that is hitting the market uh, straight up yep yeah, exactly um, and I, I left out of that uh, malt shed over at Wangaratta who um, it was funny they uh uh, Grant Jones um, was a guest at the dinner that we had the night before, the uh, Brewers Barbecue, and um, sort of opened up with a line that you know we're we're the closest brewery to the um, you know uh, to the Hume Highway, uh, and then uh, <laughs> and then Mick Hulse came out and said, um, yeah, actually I reckon I reckon Hawkers at Reservoir might be. I said, yeah, but hang on, not the nice end of the Hume. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of at the the you know. In in terms of the um, you know the stormwater drain system, they're at the where the where the rain fresh clear rainwater is coming in, and you're sort of at the other end where the sewage outlet is. Not you know, and hello to all our friends in Reservoir because it is it's a lovely place. Um, I wanted to uh, last week I, we didn't quite get a chance because we were sort of well over the the cook limit, but um, but what a cracking show to take it 
um, pastor cook lemon it, it was it was it was very good um the black and white duo picture um, of the, the new superheroes that have been appointed to the as board members to the um, to the IBA. Yeah. Like, it's Ballistic Man and the Limiter. Well, we posted it, and the, at the um, BrewCon this year, the, the IBA had the great um, idea of photographing as many IBA members as you can because you, it, it's telling the stories of the breweries that, that make up the members. And there's some really great photos, but just the way that those photos were put out for the new for the new board, my first thought was because uh, David um, Kitchen, David Kitchen from Ballistic, is, is yeah. particularly looking, you know, like he's about to walk into the uh, octagon for UFC. Is is it? Is, I'm is Ballistic it? Man. <laughs> and then then Jamie Cook was a little bit more laid back, but still just the juxtaposition. I, I thought it was uh, you know like a mundane versus horn, but <laughs> but, but then your uh, comment uh, was I, th- I thought even better, and it it, it did look like a. Uh, <laughs> the commercial well, Cal- for yeah, Calvin Mark. Klein, Calvin yeah, like Klein a, underwear, or Trent Nathan, perhaps, or you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, the new range of IBA streetwear. <laughs> the limiter is looking sensational in his checked bogan shirt, while David goes the sleeveless ballistic beer company T-shirt with emblazoned flash. Yeah, no, uh, just a lovely photo. And look, in, in all seriousness, though, c- uh, congratulations, um, the IBA. Uh, has been very well served by both Ben Coyman and uh, Will Tatchell uh, for many years on the board, um, and it's great to see that their places have been have been taken by uh, guys who have been around uh, not just as brewers but as businessmen as well, and that'll become a little bit more relevant, I guess, as we get to the stories that we're going to catch up with this week, which is probably a good time to introduce them now, Matt. This time last week, we were talking about the imminent release of the craft brewing strategy for Queensland, uh, which you had quite a bit um, of credit to take for for getting that up and running. Um, Talk us through the dot points, because it it seems to be universally well received. Well, not not universally, um, I have to say. Um, There there were a couple of comments uh, from some breweries, um, which highlights the difficulty of this sort of thing. Um, Now, the report that came out, itself was or the, the guy the strategy that came out was a little bit innocuous or a little bit bland it doesn't say too much it talks about we're going to enhance some things you know like uh, tourism um, access there is an interesting we're going to investigate setting up a, a brew lab um, which is quite exciting you know using the state government's research um, and agricultural technologies and centres to um, look into doing you know, research and you know, lab um, assistance to brewers and a whole lot of stuff around that that, that, that sounds quite good. But again, it's talking about investigating. Um, and so you sort of think, well, okay, this is all nice motherhood statements. But then the minister's media release came out and talked about they were going to look at putting the legislation um, or the, the permit system on par with wine, which is a huge thing um, potentially because any time you go to a food and wine festival in Queensland, wineries can just rock up, put out their card table and start selling you a glass of wine. Brewers need to go through a fairly complicated um, licensing process um, to be there that often sees the limited rights that they've got under permits stripped away, such as selling takeaways in glass because it's deemed to be high risk. So that is potentially very exciting because it does give brewers the chance to take their products out and bring people into the fold. But again, it's in the minister's media release, not in the actual document that was a lot 
more wishy-washy in what it was promising. So there's a bit of confusion at the moment now whether the minister's statement is actually government policy or it's just a ministerial media release that he can resolve from later um, because the document itself is policy. So we'll wait to see. Um, in terms of your... It's, it's a start. It's fair to say it's a start. Oh, it's a start. Absolutely. And, and as with anything, it's, 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 you know, you could say a whole lot and then it comes down to the um, execution as to what actually matters. Um, and, and, and what is actually achieved. So we'll wait and see, and there's a lot of cons- you know, um, lobbying and work to be done. Um, a little bit disappointing that you know nine months uh, development for this strategy, and you, know, you, you sort of think a lot of that time could have been used to doing a lot of the investigating um, now. And you know, it, it sounds like this document has now gone out to other departments for their buy-in, which is what I thought the whole strategy development process was. So look... There is a fair bit of uh, what was optimism. Uh, well, no, oh. spin, or you know, there is of, of showing, you know, show off um, about this. But we will wait and see, um, you know, what actually comes of it. Um, just to, to your point that it was universally well received. That's not strictly true. Um, you know, I had a bit of a back and forth with uh, Mark House from Newstead. In, in the Facebook comments, um, who didn't seem to think, you know, he, he didn't seem to think that wineries, you know, having the ability for brewers to go to farmers markets and things was going to do anything for their volume. Um, and I and I do take his point um, that I think on a, you know, Newstead are one of the bigger breweries in the state. Um, you know, they they have two brew pubs, one of them which sits beside Queensland's largest football stadium. Um, so they do a fairly roaring trade on game days. They're you know a, a fairly significant brewery. Um, they've got deals with the Reds. They've got deals with um, basketball. So they have a fair bit of volume through those sorts of things already. Um, and so they don't see the permits as helping them very much, which is a good point. But again, you know, there's you know the, the the breweries that have that sort of scale in Queensland are maybe five or six breweries of the 90 breweries that are there, and there are a lot that it will benefit. Mark did make the point that there was nothing, um, you know, in, in it about, uh, you know, for example, payroll tax exemptions um, or uh, you know the CDS, the container container deposit scheme. And again, I you know, I, I wasn't involved in the negotiation. Um, I don't know what was there. Um, you know, what what discussions were there. But again, when you've got 90 breweries in the state um, that are involved, I believe that you have to be paying more than $1.1 million in salaries, in you know, payroll, before you start getting taxed on your payroll anyway. And there wouldn't be too many of the 90 Queensland breweries that are anywhere near that, um, I'd imagine. So again, um, you know, and, and the, the breweries that have achieved the sort of scale that they are paying that, are they startups that need the same sort of assistance? You know, I don't know. That's part of the debate. And I wasn't a fly on the wall for the meeting, so I don't know whether it was raised. Um, I don't know whether... Uh, my understanding is that Newstead wasn't involved in, in it, so I don't know whether they raised it. But it does highlight that depending on where you are in the um, continuum of, you know, from some guy in his garage with a Browmeister to a, um, you know, a relatively large but still very small in the scheme of things craft brewery, everyone's going to have a slightly different... Um, set of you know vested interests or you know um, targets to achieve in a process like this, 
um, and it can't appeal to everybody. But there, there is a constant discussion that needs to be had to keep raising these sorts of things. Um, but yeah, look, it, it, it's exciting the Queensland government on one level um, acknowledges that the uh, brewing uh, industry is big enough to actually, uh, you know, start looking at these sorts of things anyway. And uh, it, it's where we take it from here. Got it. Uh, the only other news really that I think dropped uh, this week in my mailbox was that uh, nominations, as in beer nominations, uh, open for the Gabs Hottest 100. Yeah. Um, and, and I've spoken to Craig. Apparently. Is it that time already? Well, mate, it, it absolutely it's uh, coming up and it's just been pushed back initially. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that first and we'll talk about the, the Hottest 100 itself. Brewers, if you want to be voted for, and I know a lot of brewers uh, listen to us, if you want to be considered, if you want to have a chance to sort of do it, and there are real business benefits to being involved in the Hottest 100 and having, you know, beers read, you know, really um, score, um, you need to get them registered. Um, it, it's incumbent on brewers to do it. The day or the you know, first couple of days after the Hottest 100 voting starts, yeah, my tweet um, stream is filled with people going, oh, this... I know, tried to vote for. I want to vote for my... Favourite, you know... Yeah, if it's not there, it's not the... Insert obscure beer here. Yeah. It's not the Gabs is, you know, banded or... what it, the, the brewer hasn't has forgotten to... And I've contacted brewers in the past going, actually, just so you know, um, this particular beer in your core range uh, is not... Thanks for letting us know. Completely you know, slipped through. Yep. We, we, thought it, we thought it was there kind of thing. So it's not a... Yeah. So that's for that's a note for the brewers. Yeah. So brewers, get in there and get your beers uh, registered. Don't miss out on the chance. Um, and yeah. Um, but and, and for the hottest one hundred, initially it was coming out because the Triple J hottest one hundred was going to be playing. They announced last year that rather than tie it to Australia Day, which is a vex date, um, they were just going to run it on the last Saturday of January. Um, <laughs> apparently, it was highlighted. Last year, that well, that means that next year, the last Saturday is on January twenty. Australia Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then what do you do? So it was announced that the Hottest 100 craft beers um, was going to be on the 26th. And then yesterday, apparently, Triple J said, oh, well, no, we're going to do ours on the Sunday. So it's the 27th. So, um, you know, you can have a whole lot of discussion around that. We're currently working out where we're going to be recording from. We don't know that yet, but we are going to be doing another live countdown um and prof i believe this year because your uh tap house commitments um may not come through on the sunday that you'll be able to join us live for the first time ever i think we've done five live um streams but this will be the first one that you and i'll be able to sort of sit uh in the same room yeah yeah we'll have to well we'll have to wait and see because as i say with it falling on the 26th and the 26th being a saturday and I, I don't know i don't know what's going on so i'll let you know as soon as i know okay mate no worries at all <laughs> uh, all right i think we can, can we jump straight to the mailbag i think we because we've got a fair bit to get through in the mailbag um we received a few letters from listeners and readers regarding last week's show and then also some others drawing attention to certain things well Would you like- and, and again one of, one of the mailbag stories could easily be a story in itself we received a tweet um from frozen summers dan summers who is one of our uh again dan was one of the the very first people that emailed um back in the day when or sent us an email just of saying how much he enjoyed the show but he tweeted this week um and he knows us very well as, a, as an avid listener. A craft brewery releasing a four-can range of boozy, sparkling waters seems designed to make good beer Matt go on a rant. And he, was ref- he, he, he linked to a story 
um, out of the US at Oscar Blues, the uh, um, very well-known craft brewery. Um, and I think, Prof, they were the first brewery to put beer in cans, sparking the... Uh, I reckon it could have been. It was either them or Anderson Valley, I know, were certainly the first. Oscar's Blues was a... Oscar's Pale Ale. Dale's no, no, Pale no, Ale. Dale's Pale Ale, yeah. I'm pretty was, sure it was that. Was one of the first, but also the... Um, I reckon the Anderson Valley Amber Boont was um, was one of the first beers I remember buying in a can um, at Slow Beer because in, it was, um, in Richmond. Um, yeah, because it was uh, listening to... Uh, a couple of the craft beer podcasts in the US talking about, you know, when beer in cans was still big beer and it was such a surprise. Um, but anyway, yeah. so, so now they've brought out, you know, they, they've been leaders again and they've, well, not leaders, but they've been early adopters again. Um, they have brought out a, let me see, aimed at active lifestyle consumers, Colorado craft brewer Oscar Blues has become the latest beer brand to enter the sparkling water or seltzer category with a new alcoholic fruit-flavoured sugar-free range. Um, so basically, think of, uh, you know, I'm presuming that they've got some form of, n- you know, non-sugar sweetener, um, some s- soda water, um, some fruit, um, some fruit flavouring and, you know. Some more sugar. And Well, no, no, they say no sugar, so it'll be uh, like a oh, dextrose um, and aspartame or whatever. Or... No, sucrose and dextrose. Oh, is it using aspartame? Aspartame. Well, I presume I suppose, so. Isn't that supposed to be worse for you than sugar now? Well, I don't know, man. I don't look at, oh, is that coffee or eggs? Go on the media. I don't know. This like, is why we need Bruce News science. because make Bruce... up your mind, science. <laughs> I'm going on somebody else's uh, on the drinks business um, coverage of this. These are the sorts of questions that Australian Brews News answers uh, when we write, so people know these things. Unfortunately, when you're reading somebody else's uh, story, you don't necessarily know. They've basically paraphrased the media release, and the media release isn't going to say that sort of stuff. But anyway, um, it's a five percent basically fizzy water um, alcohol um, that in itself not necessarily newsworthy except you've got you know a, a fairly prominent craft brewery getting into that market hasn't Samuel Adams Boston Beer Company has had have they had like an alcoholic iced tea or something like that um, or have they had like I yeah, guess no, what, they've what had what hard we, tea they've hard had, lemonade or yeah hard lemonade yeah. they've had all of those sorts of things um, yeah. and is this know, just a sign do you think that you can, you know, yes, it's good to be a really good brewer, but you, I don't know, I don't want to let us say put all your eggs in one basket because we'll upset the vegans this week. But what was the? Well, it's the sort of thing I'm vexed about. You know, we, we've we've seen brewers come out with ciders, um, you know, yeah, for, for forever. You know, they have and... merch. They do. You know, they're not they're not um, fashion retailers, but they have a range of hoodies and t-shirts and bar blades and glassware and and stuff like that. Yeah, I um, see that a little a brew bit. Pub, a brew pub, te- technically, or a um, a beer hall and restaurant, or you know, where you have. Um, we offer food or snacks or whatever it might be. Isn't that sort of just another revenue stream that you're trying to, I guess, you know, bolster your business or, or protect your profit margin? Absolutely. By you know, if, yeah. I mean, if you've got all of your, in case one, you know, if you've got all so, your eggs in craft beer and craft beer declines, and you've got a business employing a hundred people, you know, um, and and all of your sales reps and your your, your beer business starts to decline. Um, you know, th- that has serious products. So this is, you know, diversifying your portfolio, um, you know, capturing a whole range of, uh, you know, other areas. Um, there's a whole lot of justifications for it. Uh, well, yeah, I guess Stone and Wood does a kombucha. Not under their, it's not under the Stone and Wood brand, is it? Their group of companies, yeah. So they, they've got yeah. a cider, they've got a kombucha, they've, uh, you know, they've got a couple of different brewery brands. Um, 
and and, and we do see that over here. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess when you, when you see something like this, that it, it's been one of the criticisms of the big brewers is that they actually don't really give a shit about beer because you know it's just they're just happy to strip mine whatever's popular and they'll jump. It's into, just it's just liquid and share a throat. And and yeah, and so we want to have a little bit of everything. And that was one of the things that you know when craft beer started, it was about. We need to win over hearts and minds to beer. We need to get people drinking beer. We need to show people how amazing beer can be. It's beer, 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 beer. You know, we don't want them drinking anything else. And this is a, you know, one of those things that you know, it's a purely, it's a, it's a very um, you know, smart business move. Uh, you know, uh, diversity. It, everyone's calling for diversity, Matt. So here, <laughs> right, yeah, here, they, are, here they are doing it. Um, it, it's a way the business. It's a way if you're going to grow, you need to de-risk um, and you need to sort of broaden your portfolio. At the same time, I really think that these sorts of things do harm the, for want of a better word, the purity of what craft beer has always had itself out to be. Because the more that we see that, see this, the more we see, guys, it's just business, you know. Um, and once it just becomes business, then you know that sort of promise that craft beer has always held out of being better and more special and different to what went before um just goes away and you know and, and that starts to evaporate um yeah but i don't you reckon though the the business graveyard is is filled with um you know people who had a really great product wasn't a particularly good businessman like you've got to, you've, the business has got to be strong and then then you do what you do I, absolutely, but in, and and again, like I, it, it's this is one of those things that uh, I mean, absolutely good, and I, I have you know I'm a bit ambivalent about it. It makes me a little bit sad on one hand, but on the other hand, it's the, the evolution, as you say. I, I guess my feeling though is that you know, and without putting any value on it, is that there's a whole range of things that are pragmatic business decisions that ultimately are one of what will eventually become a thousand cuts that hurt the small brewing movement. And, you know, um, on one hand, we, we celebrate how awesome fresh beer is. Um, and then we've got a whole lot of brewers that are looking to expand their, their, their reach by sending beer to Perth or overseas. And you sort of think, well, okay, how does that then square with you telling people, oh, don't buy imports in your home market because you want to drink your beer fresh and yet you're willing to send your beer overseas? You can't argue both of those positions simultaneously um, and you know if brewers see the only way to grow is to export then I think that makes this idea of small and local weaker um, you know if we say that you know craft beer is amazing and it, you know everyone should be drinking it and uh, you know it's just you haven't found a beer that you like yet and, and you know it could be cider it could be you know there are a whole lot of naturally you know things that are a little bit more substantial in, in in their product offering than alcoholic soda water basically i don't think there's there's not much chance of it coming becoming a thing over here because i remember back in the early 90s late 80s early 90s we had two dogs we had mike's hard lemonade and it died in the ass like people go well i might yeah, as well order so a craft brewing a oh, so i did micro at, at around the same time i mean those things came out at the same time that micro brewing first started and then we saw the first wave of the 80s and 90s wash out there as well yeah, um, but, we, but we kept drinking beer. We stopped drinking alcoholic lemonade. Yeah. So I said, if I want alcoholic lemonade, I'll go and I'll say, hey, mate, can I have some vodka and put some lemonade in it? 
but to me, it's a little bit like um, going to a, a venue that marks itself out as a like a discerning wine establishment or a discerning craft beer establishment, and yet, they, and then they just sort of put on, um, you know, Nobby's nuts and um, you know, some industrial jerky and you know, ch- and supermarket cheddar cheese or whatever, um, and you're sort of going, but you know, our craft beer is special because it's got this story. Um, and then you start selling a whole lot of things that are completely incongruous with that thing that you're building your business on. I mean, I, I, I think the consistency of everything that you offer should be the same. And that's where, like Stone and Wood, that we mentioned at the start, like the products that they're bringing out are all storied products. And so it's a little bit different from just going, oh, let, let's throw some, uh, inverted commas, natural f- uh, fruit flavours into some soda water and bung some alcohol and you know, sort of sell it as a you know, sparkling juice booze. Maybe maybe um, uh, Dan was just referring to the fact that they called it booze. Maybe that he didn't expect me to go off on this whole rant. Matt, yeah, Matt, uh, he just sort of saw the word booze and thought, that'll trigger Matt. <laughs> Mind you, well... Thanks he, for that, Dan. He's got frozen booze reviews, so if I'm going to tee yeah, off on happy booze... happy now? Well, um, that's true. So, yeah. you know, I could tee off on... Maybe he's dropped that, I don't know. Maybe he's just gone to frozen reviews. I don't know, Dan. But I replied, you know me so well. And uh, he also got back, uh, he listened to last week's podcast where we talked about Victoria, um, you know, VB and, you know, how they'd sort of... It's never changed, man. Never changed. Well, no, it's, we've, we've kept it pretty much the same, even though we have hops that weren't invented <laughs> that weren't when invented we first started brewing it. Yeast and refrigeration and all of these things that weren't invented when we started. But he made a really good point. He said uh, in his reply tweet, I also laughed at the VB recipe hasn't changed segment, especially considering how different the Victoria Bitter original ale tasted when it was released around oh, in 2005-ish. And I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten all about that. But yeah, like 13 years ago, they came out with sort of saying, you know, here's a special release of VB that yeah. tastes just like VB used to. Used to. Which, but hang on. <laughs> hold on. Aren't you, you just saying it it's the never changed? How can, you, how can you bring out something that tastes like it used to when the recipe has never changed? So thank you. That but was she's great... wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh, we changed the stubby. Um, but yeah, well, they so... did. And also, and I remember too, the thing I remember about that was they were the first, well, I reckon, one of the first Australian commercial breweries to do 18 packs. It was, it was like a really, it was either 16 or an 18. No, I think it was an 18. It had like three six packs in a in a, in a box. Okay. So, Judd Eep or um or one of our friends from CB might be might be able to enlighten us on that. I won't ask Judd Eep now because he'll be at the Adelaide Oval watching the uh, watching the Indians. He will, yes. But uh, and, uh, last, um, one of the stories following the Belinda Goldtop story, another video is when they first brought out um, a six pack. Um, and there's a great video, and I'll just make a note to, to link to this in the show notes. Um, the most convenient way to buy stubbies. Well, it is it's because a six pack now. Now six I, pack spelled P A K. But I'm I'm pretty sure I'm old enough to remember going into a bottle shop, and the guy, you know, wearing the skinny bow tie, um, you know, who was because he was a pro. He wasn't. Um, yeah, you know, it, it was his job. It was his life. To serve, you know, working in the bottle shop. But he would um, wrap each bottle individually in the newspaper it was almost like fish wrapper you know so, oh, okay. so every tally was wrapped in newspaper <laughs> and put in a brown paper bag so they didn't clink together and smash on the drive home um and so there's this wonderful video that was a trade education video um showing belimba goldtop came in six pack um 
you know, wrap six packs. And I, I don't know, but I, I think that that might have been one of the first times that it was adopted in, in, in Australia. So I might do a little bit of research around that. But I will share with you this amazing little video, um, you know, back when we were young, Prof. <laughs> I'm just I'm just picturing the publican just wrapping your you know wrapping your your beers in in paper. But could you imagine how long that would and, take? And, and probably saying, "There you go, enjoy these beers." And you know what, son? One day the Telegraph will get up here as well. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. VB original. That it, it wasn't. It was a wasn't a bad beer. No, it wasn't. It, yeah. Absolutely, but it tasted very different to VB current. No, it didn't. <laughs> Well, then again, <laughs> maybe 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 2018 um, CUB marketing department needs to do a side by side um, edited podcast with <laughs> 1856 and and uh, and 1954 departments. And but, but, uh, but this is the same company that changed the alcohol on their beer and said no one can tell the difference. And then two years, we're sorry, everybody could tell the difference except for our expert panel of tasters and can i tell you what i will i will back a million of those flogs who were happy to have their picture taken pouring vb stubbies <laughs> into the bin and down the drain against one tina panutzis pallet straight up guaranteed I'm put your house on it yeah but uh, we, but we don't buy beer just for the flavor no know? no no that's right so that's anyway right. anyway the, 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 we've got that one on the ground and uh All right. we can Cu- put it Cu- in Cu- a couple more letters before we head off um, I'll read this one, uh, which has come through. We won't read it all because it's quite long, but this is from Lockie. Well, from just Spe- before you do, Prof. Go on. I'm going to thank somebody who makes this show possible. Go for it. Uh, Rallings, labels and stickers, Prof. They were very happy with the professionalism of my uh, ad read last week. Um, uh, so I'm just going to stick to it, I think. Rallings, their products are far better than their expectations of Matt's ability to read live ads. No, one of the great things about our sponsors is they know that their products stand uh, without needing us. Uh, we just mention them. Um, and the fact that we, we do says a lot about the quality of the products. And uh, Rallings, the guys at Rallings are fantastic guys and they do make this possible. And Brewers, if you ordered printed cans, then you must order a minimum quantity of at least 60,000 plus. That is a big tie for a small brewery. Sleeve cans look and feel like a printed can, but with a much smaller minimum order quantity required. Labels on cans sometimes really miss the mark if you do not get the design right and can look cheap and unappealing, which means the punter may choose another beer over yours. Rallings, labels, stickers, and packaging supply fully sleeved and palletized cans ready to be filled. They'll also print and hold the sleeves and supply in batches as needed for each brew to make cash flow and storage easy. Pay for the printing upfront and then paper can and application as needed. Uh, now, just edit this out, Joe, because uh, you keep this in, Joe. We, we, this is how we do it. But um, I'd not put a phone number in um, because I sort of figured that, you know, when you're listening to this, you're on the train or whatever, you don't have the phone in front of you. But And so I put in the show notes. Or you're listening to it through your phone. But then Paul, um, who, who sort of said, you know, he actually, because he sort of listens to it, um, he doesn't ever read the show notes, but you know, if there's a number that he wants, he'll just hit back 30 seconds and go back and listen to it. So, listeners, if you oh. do want to find out about Rallings Label Specialists, one three hundred eight five two two three five. That's one three hundred eight five two two three five. Matt, that number again. <laughs> just so you can hit 30 seconds. One three hundred eight five two two three five. 
And the, the uh, link to the website and that number will be in the show notes if you do tend to operate that way. But listeners, tell us how, actually, shoot us an email and tell us how you listen to Radio Brews News because we don't know. Um, we, we just put it out there and apparently listen in all manners. But we do thank uh, Rallings for making it possible for us to put this out in any way, shape, or form. Yep. Uh, as of next week, oh, as, as of the 200th show, though, I do believe that we've made a mutual decision that we will stop uh, putting it up in smoke signal form. It's just getting way too, yeah, climate change and all that shit. Um, now, back to the mailbag. Back to the mailbag. This is from Lockie from Brisbane. G'day, Bruce News crew. What started as a letter quickly became an essay. Well, Lockie, I'm not going to read the whole essay. Uh, I hope you find it informative and positive rather than overly critical and nihilist. Or yes and yes. Oh, no and yes. I want to start by saying thank you for providing such an open and transparent resource of deep and insightful thought for the beer community. I start my solo Sunday shifts every week with the most recent podcast playing over the store speakers. Um, it so often becomes a talking point with punters who come by for their 10am post housework growler fills. Whether they have their own say on the issues being discussed or are interested in what it is that I'm listening to, the podcasts are so much more uh, than a way for me to stay in touch and up-to-date with the real issues within the industry. It's also an extra tool to further enable punters' appreciation and education of craft beer's place as a part of a greater community-driven movement towards authentic consumption. Um, now Matt, so Lockie works at Craft Wine Store. Which is my in local, as it turns out. I've never in Red Hill. In and, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I might sort of... Uh find it a little bit uh, challenging if I walked in and heard my own voice coming over the speaker, but uh, fortunately I tend to shop uh, for my alcohol a little bit later <laughs> in the day. Um, and look, Lockie does go into quite a bit of detail about an issue that he's got, which I think probably rather than uh, cracking on with right at the end of this podcast, is probably something that we will hold over um, for perhaps further discussion with some special guests. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, no, I agree. And just, just to paraphrase it, um, uh, Felon's opened recently, which, which we've uh, talked about. Great, um, uh, really great. On the thing. river. But, yep. you know, Lockie um, made mention of the fact that on the back of the uh, coasters, it talks about when the river was discovered, um, talking about three escaped convicts, uh, European uh, settlement, and it doesn't pay full regard to the 40,000 plus years of uh, uh, settlement by the uh, Indigenous population. And, yeah, so that's a little bit more than we can probably talk about. It, it, it is a topic that we are making a note of to look into. Um, and maybe just a, a more general inclusiveness episode um, that, that we can look at, you know, how beer, you know, is beer inclusive and how we make it more so if it's not. Um, but it was, you know, a lot of thought went into it. And uh, we thank Lockie uh, for, for listening and also... Uh, uh, raising that well, for creating a uh, a topic for a uh, what could be a, an episode all on its own. Mm, absolutely done. Um, did you want to read the last one out there from Shane McNamara? Yeah, another and, and another great one. Uh, hi, Oz, well, they're, they're all great ones. Um, hi, Osbrews News team. I thought the commentary by Zoe and Fiona on Coopers was a thoughtful insight into the current market position and future possibilities for the brewery. There's no need for me to be an echo chamber covering what Zoe and Fiona eloquently discussed, but I'd like to opine on one of the main points, which was to reach out to their craft beer community more, especially on the industry side. Um, and again, another long, um, and I don't know, I feel really bad about editing these um, not reading a whole letter but yeah because oh, there's so much work gone into it but he talks about fullers um 
uh, iconic English brewery and looks at the Fullers and Friend program. They've got the Vintage Ale Past Masters, um, Brewer Tastings, London Brewers Alliance Festival, um, and a whole lot of ways that Fullers engages with the beer community. Um, mm. And uh, terrific. Um, and I better you know, look. A couple of points. First of all, it was a great podcast uh, last week. If you haven't listened, go back and listen. You know, we, we've just found some amazing talent. Um, and Zoe uh, is a regular, and Fiona will definitely get back. Um, we've had a really good response to to their insights. Um, so thank you for that. And I think, and I forward, forwarded this email to both Zoe and Fiona, who um, both agreed there were some wonderful points made. And I think that Fiona actually replied and talked about, you know, how Cooper's had that iconic back before craft beer was cloudy. You know, they made a big point of rolling... Um, your, your bottle of Coopers on the uh, on the bar to um, you know to distribute do, the yeah distribute the yeast, but that also highlighted that this beer is different to the mainstream lagers that were going on, and you know as as the rest of the beer world has gone past Coopers, it's very hard for them to be to be relevant. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I think they can certainly learn a lot from um, the, the the Fuller's experience. Yeah, I did love Shane's uh, last paragraph after he sort of um, outlined in quite a bit of detail all the different things that Fuller's has done that he suggests perhaps Coopers could do, in- including the you know the Fuller's and Friends collaboration project with with small breweries. Um, but he finishes with my personal thoughts are that I hope Coopers embraces the craft beer community much in the way Fuller's has done. They're both in a very similar position, being squeezed by both the craft breweries on one side and the multinationals on the other. As a start, it'd be fantastic to see Coopers and Troopers or Coopers and cobbers or whatever name some marketing wank comes up with in 2019. Um, Coopers has history, independence and tradition on its side, something a lot of other large breweries simply don't have and the smaller ones will have to wait for, which is a really good, really terrific point. And I'd throw that maybe back to um, to Fiona and Zoe, come up with a, you know, the uh, the Coopers equivalent of Fullers and Friends or, you know, the Vintage Ale Past Masters or and something you, like that. You, you never know. And well, I'm also going to give it exposure. Um, I'll, I'll put that to them and uh, see whether we can come I, up I with... Just think, I just think, you know, in the same way that, let's say, the, the NRL or the AFL or Australian cricket, generally, you know, as sporting teams, we say, oh, it's always a much stronger competition when, you know, the when, when certain teams are in form and, and are, are strong off the field and are making money and, and you know, have marquee players and are, are, are winning games. And I think... We can translate that to Coopers. I I think our beer community is a much more vibrant, much more dynamic uh, and much more stable with, um, you know, a well-performing Coopers as, as part of it. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we absolutely want Coopers to be strong. And uh, actually, Prof, we're recording our 200th show the afternoon that this will actually go live. So it's a little bit in the talking past talking previously about the park. No, it sucks but, to be you, unless you were there. In no, which no, case, no, no, but, but, when, but when I was looking at the Coopers uh, story, I did grab um, Luke Robertson's uh, uh, keg bottle can book that came out uh, three or four months ago. Um, and I noticed that you know, he lists 50 or 60 Australian beers that he recommends that, you know, have a whole lot of, you know, there are beers for the barbecue, there are beers for late at night, there are beers for different things. Cooper's was not mentioned in there at all. You know, Cooper's Pale, Cooper's Sparkling, Cooper's Stout. There was nowhere, no, no mention of that um, in his book at all. Um, and I, I can't think of an Australian beer book that hasn't had a hat tip 
to what is, you know, Australia's arguably most influential or important or iconic beer. Um, Let's put it to him on Sunday. Well, that's what I was going to say. So by the time I will have done it, by the time you listen to this, listeners. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm really interested because why well, you no got Coopers? Well, what yeah. up, Luke? Was it a conscious decision or um, you know what was it? Just an oversight? Um, but you know, either way, um, I think. You know, if you've forgotten to put Coopers in, or you've chosen not to for uh, particular reasons, um, I, I think that would be a fascinating um, insight into why Coopers is struggling a little bit. But you know, well, yeah. So, um, but anyway, um, Shane McNamara, thank you so much for that. So, I just threw in a little um, sound effect there. It just, it just occurred to me when we kind of hit the cook limit. Um, I get we could get Joe to time it, and maybe she <laughs> just puts in a little can opening. <laughs> Time for a beer. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, coming up. With no, I don't think we need a klaxon. I don't think it's you know, we're allowed to you know. I think the the cook limit. It's not it, a hard it, limit. It's flexible. It's a, yeah. it's a concept more than a <laughs> than a preset. Yeah, yeah. Or a, yeah. Um, but having said that, uh, you were about to say. No, I'd finished about Sunday. I, I think I'd, I think I'd finished. Hard had to tell. It, had I finished? Um, <laughs> it's it's been another great episode. Looking forward to catching up with you um, live in person. Um, at Wolford's room, at the tap house upstairs. Yeah, and and, and shout out to Crafty who, who who's joining us, but for a lovely um, article that he wrote uh, yesterday, um, being Thursday of the week, so four days yeah. ago. By the time you listen to this, or even longer, you, you, you probably read it already. But um... it, it, it could have been two years ago if uh, you're one of the listeners who has found us and then started working back through the episodes. You never know. So That's it. To, 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 <laughs> hello, dear future listener. Now that you're listening to us in your flying car. <laughs> yeah, those bastards. I'll <laughs> catch up with them one day. Since I was in about grade two, I reckon, oh, by the time you're driving, son, there'll be flying cars. Yeah. Flying pigs. Take us out, Prof. Take us out. Uh, that's all we've got for this week. Thank you very much to all of our listeners, to all of our supporters and all of our partners and sponsors. Um, and especially uh, as we head into summer, spare a thought for those brewers who are absolutely flat out they will be sweat like a fat man's ass right at the moment brewing as much beer as they can to get you through the warmer months uh get out there and support your local brewery thanks very much matt thank you prof look i'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a beer with you um three hours ago by the time this goes live yeah um i hope i was able to get a lift there <laughs> Otherwise, it's just going to be a very long, boring afternoon for me. Mate, 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 mate I'll, I'll, um, I'm, no, I'm, just, I'm going to spring for an Uber. <laughs> mate, All your, right, your, your, your car shall collect you. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's, yeah, you know how far I live from the tap house. We'll work, we'll work something out. Thanks very much, listeners, and we'll see you all again next week. Cheers. Mate, I'll get a car for you. Uh, it's a very, it's, it's a momentous event. It is. And, and that way I can sort of have you turning up with the velvet rope and so we can have, you know, so you were escorted in a la Oscars or, you know, like, like anything. <laughs> Where we can put the I've... little tent out the front like the president so no one can take a pot shot. Oh, sorry, that, that'd be me that'd be taking a shot at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I'll be, the one, I'll be the one who happens to walk in front of you. <laughs> You'd take a bullet for me. You'd take a bullet for me. Yeah, no, no, not fucking deliberately. <laughs> and we're out.